Today, here on Cincy Business Talk with Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. We'll be talking to business leaders about how they have grown their businesses and people. We discuss new strategies, tactics, and philosophies which lead to positive growth in our marketplace. Our program is sponsored by Sandler Training by Roth & Associates. Each week, we'll talk with our best Cincinnati area top executives about their tools and insights. Our regular listeners will be given the edge that will help them win in a competitive environment which we live. Simple solutions to complex problems which challenge all of us are rarely correct. We will address complex problems or opportunities with appropriate solutions. If you have questions or comments, contact Mike at MikeRoth at RothConsulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9400. Now your host, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer, Mike Roth. Thanks, Scott. This is Mike Roth. I'm here today with Joe Callahan, who is a certified financial planner and CEO of Callahan & Associates in Blue Ash. Before we really get started, Joe, and thanks for joining us, let me tell everyone about what's coming up, ne- a few of the shows that are coming up next in the series. Uh, we have uh, tomorrow, Bill Case from American Mortgage, Bill Forbes from First Place Bank next week. Next Friday, we're going to have uh, an interesting show about safety with Scott T.P. Jr. from Proactive Safety Systems. Uh, and then a, a week from Friday, we're going to have Steve Phillips. He's going to talk about search engine optimization and organic search and how to get your website listed real high in Google. We have some uh, other shows which will be exceptionally interesting. Uh, on the 7th of March, we're going to have Dave Doherty, the former CEO of Converges. He's going to be talking about his new project called Education at Work, where he's onshoring call center jobs here in Cincinnati for large companies like uh, Cincinnati Bell at a competitive price. And show number 100, we have a special guest, Thane Maynard from the Cincinnati Zoo. I told Thane, don't bring any snakes. Maybe an armored bill over. Thank goodness it's radio. For those of you who are Sandler clients, it's still a couple of days to sign up for the Sandler client in Orlando. It's February 14th and 15th. Those days we will have a pre-recorded show, but there will be a show those days. At the Sandler Client Summit entitled No Guts, No Gain, we're going to have a special guest speaker from LinkedIn, Brian Frank, who is their head of global sales operations, and he's going to share with us, both the clients and the Sandler people, how LinkedIn itself is using their own platform to expand their brand and increase market share. Should be an interesting talk since we advocate using LinkedIn as a strategy for prospecting. We had a great cold call camp yesterday. There is another cold call camp scheduled for March 27th. That's an all-day program. If you're interested, call the office at 753-9400, extension 106. Ask for Carmen. Tell you heard about it on the radio and might actually be entitled to a discount. Okay, a little bit more about who Joe is. His office is in Blue Ash, Ohio. That's a really good business district, Joe. At four years of age, Joe's father died of cancer. Joe was raised by his mother, myself, and three and three sisters alone. Help me out there, Joe. That's good music, Steve. <laughs> Yeah, my father, uh, who actually was in the securities and insurance business, mm-hmm. unbeknownst to me, uh, was stricken with stomach cancer, died when I was four. And my mother and my three sisters and myself uh, were left. And my mom, you know, raised us alone. Uh, you know, it was kind of all hands on deck. And, you know, we were 
quickly went from a nice lifestyle to, you know, shopping at the Goodwill and uh, hand-me-downs. So you were the youngest of the four? I was number three of four. Number three. You know, if you can imagine having two older sisters, Mm -hmm. the hand-me-down thing only works so much. Right, right. I remember at about 12 years old realizing guys' pants are not supposed to zip up on the side. (laughs) (laughs) I guess that's an interesting discovery. At seven years of age, uh, your family went one evening a week to a local soup kitchen to serve. Joe's mom wanted to uh, let the family know how blessed their life was. Uh, she wanted us to take over, take on a heart of service. That's one of the interesting things about Rotary. It's a, I'm in the Rotary Club and service about self. This year we've uh, changed our, our gears on service projects, and we're taking on a whole lot of smaller projects. One of them is uh, serving uh, a dinner meal at the Ronald McDonald House. Nice. Uh, Rotary's done one so far. We're going to do three more in the next uh, 12 months. As a result of this, Joe's free time and building capacity to help people and organizations. Joe is a youth football coach, basketball coach, and a rugby coach. You still doing all that? Those are just things that I've done in my past. I, I don't coach rugby anymore, but uh, uh, you know, youth sports for sure. You know, just kind of going back to mom, it was interesting. So, you know, mom who's still around, eighty-one, awesome. Uh, instead of uh, you know feeling as if she was a victim, mm-hmm. she really uh, she really turned the tables with us psychologically. And so at seven, up in I grew up in Dayton, Ohio, St. Vincent Hotel, which is a uh, a homeless shelter. Mm. Um, uh, we, as a family, went, uh, uh, you know, prepared, served, cleaned up a meal, and, and interacted with uh, folks that were less fortunate than us. And she wanted us to understand that uh, we had it pretty good, uh, as as difficult as you know our situation was. And so she began a process of really instilling, uh, you know, life of service in us, and uh, so it worked out really well. Uh, what line of work was your mother in when you were that age? She was in uh, uh, homemaking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was a professional homemaker. <laughs> okay. Uh, Joe's been active in the Big Brothers Association for 42 years, a long time. So when I was seven, I, I had my up. first Big Brother, okay. right. And what is C-A-S-A? CASA. Uh, CASA is part of ProKids. Uh, ProKids um, is an awesome organization in Cincinnati that really uh, is the uh, – uh, acts as a voice for children. Um, you know, when when folks call two four one kids, uh, you know, to, to report abuse and neglect in a home, mm-hmm. and the kids are removed from the home, the children become part of the system, the government system, right, right, with caseworkers and everything else. And unfortunately, their voice is not heard. And this organization that was started in the early seventies is just about uh, uh, becoming a CASA, court-appointed special advocate for the children, being their voice, ultimately being their guardian ad litem. Mm-hmm. We've done a lot of work to help uh, Barbara Condo over at the One Way Farm. Oh, nice. Uh, same kind of idea, same kind of problem, children to move from the home. Uh, you've also been a, uh, a missionary, I guess, and a disaster relief worker. Yeah, uh, personal passion. I I like to help, and uh, there's a lot of folks that like to serve on boards. Mm-hmm. I like to serve in the trenches. Um, so where have you gone recently? Uh, you heard about the tornadoes uh, down in Kentucky, Piner, Kentucky, the tornadoes that came through, and 
uh, killed a lot of people and a lot of livestock and ruined a lot of homes. Um, uh, we got together uh, uh, a dozen to 20 people, clients, friends, other uh, folks that uh, share in that passion, and um, went down with our chainsaws and provided some relief for these folks. Mm. Good. Cut, our, cut their way out. That's great. Uh, they don't let me touch change laws. <laughs> <laughs> they barely let me. <laughs> okay. Uh, and you're active with the City Gospel Mission. Yeah, City Gospel Mission is great. I, I had done a lot of work with uh, the drop-in center for years. Mm-hmm. Uh, with my company, we would serve every every week lunch. Um, but uh, I just found that uh, the spiritual piece was missing at the drop-in center, mm-hmm. very secular. And uh, so... Um, uh, started working with the City Gospel Mission and have uh, worked with mentoring uh, the folks in their long-term uh, drug and alcohol rehab program and uh, as well as introducing uh, their uh, their shelter services to, you know, to homeless, to folks in my neighborhood and helping them, uh, you know, begin uh, working with the homeless. And uh, it's just a great organization. Mm-hmm. Yeah, their executive director was a chairman. Sherman Bradley. He's in the Rotary Club with us. Oh, good. He got to uh, tell all about that about two weeks ago at a Rotary meeting. Oh, he's got a fa- – his story is very, very awesome. Awesome story. And uh, in 2011, you won the Autism Award, uh, given by the magazine Advisors for, for the Heart. Uh, yeah, I, I won a uh, uh, fun award that uh, just recognizes uh, – uh, Folks that are in our industry uh, that are doing things other than, uh, you know, making a, a ton of money for themselves that are, you know, that, that are, uh, you know, reach certain levels of success, but are spending time giving back to the community in whatever ways. Just, you know, and I attribute all of that stuff to the way my mom raised us. Good. good. And, and how many years have you actually lived here in the Cincinnati marketplace? I went to school here when I was 18, University of Cincinnati, and so uh, uh, spent a little bit of time in the East Coast, but you know, for all intents and purposes, uh, 31 years. Okay, good time. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about your company? Great. Uh, we're a comprehensive financial planning company. We're local, kind of a main street. Uh, uh, focus. Mm-hmm. Uh, we work with uh, Wall Street, Wall Street uh, issues, Wall Street numbers, Wall Street investing. But uh, Wall Street can be intimidating, uh, mm-hmm. can garner very little trust <laughs> a lot of times. And what uh, one of our specialties is, is really to water all of the, the Wall Street down to Main Street. And, you know, we work with, you know, we're very client facing as opposed to business facing. And we work with uh, with individuals to help uh, take the sting out of Wall Street and help them to understand how their money can work hard for them uh, through the use of Wall Street type instruments without the sting and without the bite and without the you know the hieroglyphics. Okay, so does does your company work on a fee for money under management or does it work on a commission basis? Yeah, that's a great point. And when I started out 25 years ago, yeah, it, that's all there was was commission. There was no such thing as fee. Right. Um, and we've segued uh, about. 13, 14 years ago over into to a fee-based structure. And so we're on the same side of the table as the client. Good. Inherently, that's uh, the one that sounds the best. How many people do you have in your company, Joe? Uh, not enough. You know, we've got a great local team of seven, and, uh, you know, we're building that. Uh, we're looking to add 30 additional advisors. 
over the next five years, uh, which we're very excited about. Some nice value props. And we have a, a virtual team of about 3,000 that uh, we work with uh, uh, to help us uh, provide the services that we feel our clients need. So 30 additional people is a big, big jump for a company that's got seven. Are you looking for all seasoned pros in financial services, or are you looking for fresh college graduates or a combination? Yeah, Mike, that's a great question. Um, the average age of a financial advisor today is 57. We're a graying industry, and young folks are not getting into the business. And so there's two things that we're, you know, we're basing our growth on. One, the average financial advisor has not addressed their own mortality. They don't have a succession plan. So if they die tomorrow, their you know, their business is worthless. Their clients are in the lurch, and it's not a good thing. And so, you know, we want to, as we've gone through our succession planning over the last five to six years, we want to, as part of our value prop, give that to these seasoned advisors to help them in that way. And for every seasoned advisor we bring in, we want to bring someone new into the industry uh, and uh, you know, kind of help them mentor uh, this new seasoned person for a long-term succession. So, combination. Good. Sounds good. We're going to take a, uh, a short commercial break here, Joe. We'll be back in a couple of minutes. Joe's agreed to uh, ask questions, so if any of you have any questions, you can call in on 646-595-4916. That was 646-595-4916. Company owners and sales managers, are you sick and tired of hiring a salesperson you think is Tom Cruise, only to get Pee Wee Herman on the first day of the job? Call me, Mike Roth, 513-646-6523, to stop this from happening to you again. This is Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. At the first sign of trouble, there are three types of business leader. The first type of leader is like a turtle. He pulls his head and tail in and hides in his shell. Turtles hunker down, just trying to survive. The second type of leader is an opportunist. They're like eagles. Eagles spread their wings and take advantage of the winds. They catch the storm wind and rise to new heights. The third group, between turtles and eagles, are called turkeys. Turkeys are average and anxious. They huddle together and move. They never saw. However, turkeys are easy prey for those who seize the opportunity and soar. If someone in your industry goes out of business, are you going to get the business? The question is, which type of leader are you? Will you seize the opportunities to take market share and grow, or will your fate be like the turkeys? If you're serious about growth, call me to arrange a confidential meeting, 513-646-6523, or check our website at rothconsulting.net. Company owners and sales managers, are you tired of cutting your price to get the deal? Wouldn't you like to have a better way? Wouldn't you want to improve your margins? Call me, Mike Roth, at 513 646 6523 to see if there's a better way for you. This is Mike Roth. I'm back with Joe Callahan. Joe, uh, why don't you tell the folks how they can get a hold of you after the show? Thanks, Mike. That's great. Uh, local phone number 513 421 Uh We have an awesome C-A-L-L-A-H-A-N-C-I-N-C-Y.com. And uh, if you have questions ever, uh, we've got a a wonderful segment of our website that uh, you can anonymously ask whatever question you'd like. We're not going to haunt you and hunt you down or 
uh, or mug your mailman to try to get any information from him. We're just going to answer the question, and uh, we feel like uh, if given an opportunity, uh, we'd love the, to, you know, the opportunity to earn uh, your business. Well, that's a good way to do it. That's a good way to do it. Uh, Joe, what are some of the areas uh, that you help individuals and company owners? Uh, great question. Uh, yeah, as a certified financial planner, the one thing early on in my career that I, uh, you know, in my curriculum, uh, you know, with my credentials is is to really think broadly and to understand that the financial planning process is more than just managing assets. It's managing risk. It's managing lifestyle. It's uh, managing expectations. Um, uh, college funding, college planning is a big issue. Uh, we've got... Uh, you know, wonderful tools uh, that we use, not just to help folks um, uh, understand how much they need to save for college, mm-hmm. but to, to help position them to save on college. Uh, scholarship searches and and uh, awesome. uh, advice on you know, the proper ways to fill out the, the financial aid forms, FAFSA, and uh, time frames. I, my daughter graduated from college a few years ago, and maybe if you more than a few years ago, and she, she decides she wants to be a English as a second language instructor. So she applies at the three MBA programs. Uh, I think one was NYU, another one was in Chicago, and at Columbia College, Columbia University. And she applies for financial aid for the first two, figures she doesn't have the grades to get into Columbia, so she doesn't bother to apply. Naturally, she got into all three and says, Dad, you need to write out a big check in <laughs> Columbia without financial aid. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, you look at Har- you know, like Harvard and Yale and Columbia and Stanford, uh, but specifically Harvard, uh, over 60% are, uh, uh, are attending on a needs base. And mm-hmm. so, you know, they're not self-pay. Yeah, well, I thought it was self-pay at Columbia. I told her she was working in the dorm for the first year at yeah. graduate school. Another area we work extensively on around uh, uh, attorneys. Uh, we've got you know a lot of attorneys we work with, and we but we love to work with attorneys that are already in a relationship with potential clients. Mm-hmm. People have a very large misgiving around trusts and what trusts do and don't do. Mm-hmm. Um, especially uh, have a lot of issues around elder care. Long-term care insurance and Medicare, Medicaid, and you know what happens if I go into a long-term care facility? And we uh, do a lot of work in the eleventh hour with folks to help uh, uh, reduce that stress, to help give them the care they need, and, and ensure that the one who's not stricken doesn't sit and watch the you know all the fortunes uh, go down the tubes as a result of an, a potential extended long-term care. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a third area that I love to talk about, Mike, is uh, is that. A differential on, and tell me if I'm getting too complicated. Is there a difference between elder care insurance and trust? So, do you have a trust for elder care? Uh, how does that really work? Yeah, that's a great question. So, um, you know, elder care and growing old, and you know, the prospect of going into a long-term care facility is a risk. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's part of the risk management process. And unfortunately, far too many people blindly just transfer that risk to an insurance company through the use of a long-term care insurance policy. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons they do that is because the folks that are promoting this stand to gain 
quite a bit by uh, uh, convincing these folks to to transfer this risk. So there are uses of trust in the legal process that help shelter assets instead of purchasing long-term care insurance. Some some folks need a combination of both. Some folks need only one versus another. But I find most folks don't need uh, uh, the you know the long-term care insurance that they thought that they needed. Ah, so that's something that has to be evaluated. Absolutely. And so the one thing that I stand a profit greatly on but choose not to do much work around is selling long-term care insurance products. Well, there are a lot of people out there pushing that like crazy. Right. And, and don't get me wrong. I would I would absolutely love to, to make that pro. I mean, but as a certified financial planner with my name on the door, uh, yeah, we're going to work with folks to find the right solution by saving them dollars as opposed to just inadvertently throwing something at them to spend more dollars. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We bought uh, long-term care insurance through my wife's company at the time. Uh, I didn't even know there was a trust that you could use to would that protect the money from uh, the calculations. Yeah. 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 The casework calculations, but you bring up another great point. Um, group long-term care is about 10 times less expensive than private long-term care. So if you have group long-term care with your wife's company Mm -hmm. that is portable, which means you can continue it Mm -hmm. after you've left the company, Mm -hmm. that's very good. Yeah. That's, that's exactly what happened. Um, why don't you uh, share with uh, our audience what you can do for uh, company owners or, or presidents who are worried about transition? Hmm. Maybe they're in their late 50s or 60s, and they're worried about how they transit, transition the company. I know we've seen at least one client here where there were four owners of the company, two, two dads and two sons. Dads had one 1% of the company each. But they were the only two voting shares. Preferred, yeah. Yeah, the, the son, sons had the forty-nine percent, and uh, when one dad died unexpectedly, uh, it destroyed the company. It took a twelve million dollar a year company down to a five million dollar a year company. When son number two said, "I don't want to work with son number one. I want to wash my hands of the whole thing." Yeah, we see that uh, stories just like that all the time. And, and they had buy sell insurance to protect the younger two, but no insurance on the older men right? because it was going to be terribly expensive. Right. Um, yeah, I'm 49. I'll be 50 in March. Um, and I've had succession planning conversations with business owners in G1, which is Generation 1, and G2, Generation 2, for 25 years. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that uh, uh, that I'll tell you that no one wants to talk about is their own mortality. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially if you're a business owner, uh, you're not you're not used to uh, uh, to those kinds of topics. You know, you kind of feel like you put the cape on every day and you're everyone's hero. And it's uh, it's difficult. But you know, at the end of the day, uh, folks have to really start addressing this. They don't know what the valuation is. They haven't really named a successor. They haven't begun with the end in mind. 
Um, and it's a it's a very difficult subject. Just throwing insurance at the subject doesn't do anything for the subject. The insurance agent that convinced them to buy to fund the buy sell agreement with life insurance, well, they profited, but mm-hmm. it didn't solve any issues. Um, you know, there's things like employee stock ownership plans or ESOPs that uh, that give the owner tax preference and sale, and give the employees financing preference. And funding the you know the buying of the company, and so you know there's a lot of wonderful tools that are out there uh, uh, in our system that say, hey, we want to support the changing of hands of businesses from one generation to another, but it all starts with the leader or the business owners uh, coming to grips with the fact that they cannot and will not live forever. Mm-hmm. And is that a uh, a common thing? Very common. And when it's time to start addressing it, it's generally too late. Mm. Yeah, I could see how that that could happen. Uh, I was talking to one of my contemporaries in St. Louis a few uh, months ago, and it took him three years to bring a successor into the business because there was no family member and there was no partner who wanted to step up to the full leadership role. Uh, You do a lot of things over there at uh, Callahan. Joe, what is your unique marketing advantage? I think our unique marketing advantage is that uh, we care. We're, we advocate. Uh, we've got a uh, a local and virtual team that uh, uh, we may not know personally the answer, but we're, we're going to find the answer no matter what it is, and we'll bring various experts in to help address whatever questions that come up. But, you know, we... Yeah, we try to go the extra yard to advocate on behalf of the client, to walk shoulder to shoulder with them through all seasons of their life, whether they're a business owner or an individual or both. I think that separates us because we care. Mm-hmm. Joe again has asked that he can take questions. He agreed to answer them. So you can call in on 646-595-4916. We're going to... Uh, Take a couple of minutes and listen to Sandler Rule number 25. I'm Roger Wentworth with Sandler Training. I want to talk to you today about rule number 25. If you want to know the future, bring it back to the present. You see, it's a common scenario that prospects ask us to do some work prior to really engaging with us. It might be groundwork, it might be an estimate with some solutions, it might be a site survey, it might be a working diagram with some detailed analysis of how we're going to solve their problems. And in our eagerness to please them, we jump at the chance because it allows us to show our expertise. The problem is, we don't really know what's gonna happen next. You see, your prospects wanna know what you know without making any commitment to you whatsoever. And the typical salesperson is willing to do that. That's when they become an unpaid consultant. So if you want to know the future, bring it back to the present. When they ask you to do one of these bits of work, play the let's pretend game. It sounds like this. Okay, Bob, let's pretend we do that. And our solution fits everything you need and it really works well for you. What happens next? Now as a side note, make sure you define everything. 
But when you ask this question, what happens next? Watch your prospect closely, because what they're about to do is to tell the future. The rule is, if you want to know the future, bring it back to the present. This is Mike Roth with Joe Callahan, and Joe, I'm going to ask you a, a different uh, subject. What do you think the opportunities and possibilities are uh, for your type of company over the next few years here in hmm. Cincinnati? Wow, um, that's a great question. So uh, every day for the next 19 years, 10,000 people per day are going to retire, turning 65. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, the prospects on an, on an individual side for 401k, IRA rollovers, and helping people understand the complexities of retirement and going from the accumulation stages of their life to the distribution stages of life is huge. Uh, the average age of financial advisor is 57. So imagine the next 20 years and what that looks like in the advisory world as far as practices for sale and succession planning and the need for you know the you know the the advisory building side of our business. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I, our future looks amazingly bright. I uh, uh, decided a year ago, uh, two two weeks ago, a year ago, two weeks ago, to sign up for twenty more years with a, a longtime friend and business partner, Kevin Egan, uh, and he came in for us to specifically focus on serving other advisors uh, because over the last twenty five years, I've found such a uh, you know, there's such a, ga- a gaping hole in what advisors' needs needs are and what they're actually getting from uh, their broker dealers and from their superiors. And so, uh, I'm I'm excited. Okay, uh, can you share with our audience a little bit exactly what you're doing with Kevin? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Twenty years. Yeah, absolutely. So for the last 30, 31 years, Kevin and I have been friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've played rugby together. Went to college together. We've uh, uh, you know, we've uh, uh, em- spiritually embraced uh, one another in a new uh, kind of in a new twist in our life. Uh, about ten years ago, we do a lot of relief efforts and missionary work together. Uh, and along the way, we started to talk about the possibilities of working together. And we came together professionally a year ago to build the advisory side of our business. Okay, uh, that's probably a good idea. Um, do you see any obstacles? In the- in the marketplace? Uh, yeah, lots of obstacles in the marketplace. Uh, certainly Wall Street is an obstacle in the marketplace. But, uh, uh, you know, the, the international climate and, you know, what goes on is is obstacles. Uh, I think that uh, our politicians and how our country is being led uh, on the short term from a, uh, a consumer sentiment standpoint and what the consumer feels like uh, our, is going on in our economy that uh you know that has a lot uh uh to do with um motivating folks to help themselves so i mean those are challenges on an individual advisory basis um and and just helping people deal with their mortality sure we've come up we've come out of a, a tough uh business climate over the last few years uh since 2008 uh, how do your clients do no that's a, you know that's a uh I don't know if I, I want to say that's a great question or that maybe that's a low blow, but I appreciate you asking that question, absolutely. But my point on that really is that uh, no one really wants to answer that question, although I will. Um, I was in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho in 
uh, <laughs> and the, uh, basically in August of 2007, everyone was asleep at this uh, breakout session except for myself, it seemed. And there was a gentleman who's uh, you know part of our research committee who talked about what he felt was going to be going on over the next several years. I had thought since March of 2007 that the market was overpriced, and so he basically uh, confirmed that for me. Long story short, in September of 2007, I moved my clients from the market into 100% bonds. In January 2008, uh, uh, you know, I I moved them. We had a percentage international through 07 and moved them 100% bonds, diversified. August of 2008, 100% U.S. Treasuries. And then beginning in early 2009, began to talk to them about getting back into the market. And so from October of 2007, where the market peaked, to through March, uh, the end of March of 2009, our clients were anywhere from break even to up about three and a half percent. And the market was down anywhere. The bond market was down 30. The stock market was down 45. Yeah. I don't want to put out on the air how much money I know people lost. Uh, the bad market, in fact, there were a lot of people still on the sidelines sitting in cash. Which is a shame. Our, you know, our theory and our belief is the first way to win is don't lose. We've got a, as part of our virtual team of 3,000, we have a our research team in Boston of 70, and these folks are way smarter than I'll ever think about being in my life. And they all have Ivy League degrees, and they do nothing all day every day but follow economic indicators. And as a result, we're able to follow these indicators and actively and tactically manage folks' assets. Mm-hmm. So, are you suggesting that people buy bonds now or go back into the stock market? <laughs> <laughs> I'm suggesting that people call us, and we love to gauge your risk tolerances and what you're really looking to save this money for. Mm-hmm. And uh, we think that they, that both have have a great uh, need and purpose. Depending, we love high yields. Second half of the year, we're going to love some European bonds, but not right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. On the equity side, we love emerging markets. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there are a lot. There's a lot of talk of uh, golden parachute packages from larger employers. Uh, what can you do for someone like that who's 50 years of age plus, been with the same company for a lot of years, a lot of years and now they're being offered a package to, say, Sayonara? Yeah. Well, so, yeah, certainly, uh, you know, the golden parachutes uh, aren't so golden anymore. And, and, and they'll, they'll, you know, they'll give some folks some severance pay for a little while. But, but basically, folks don't have too many pensions anymore. They have whatever they put in their 401k and, Maybe a buildup of vacation pay and and some severance, but uh, what we found since '07 is that you know in the 50 plus crowd, a lot of downsizing and very very difficult to find work. And so, as an example, I've got a client that a couple of years ago was downsized. They were making $150,000 a year, which was great. And so, you know, over the last couple of years, their focus has only been on finding jobs that would pay $150,000 a year or more. They're not out there. So they've got assets that back them up. They've got retirement assets. They've got other assets. The kids are leaving the house. They can downsize. So what we decided to do was to help them focus on transition planning. And in transition planning, we're going to bridge the gap between today and retirement. And so if between today and retirement, we can help to supplement their current income, okay, mm-hmm. they can focus on a job that maybe pays fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars instead of one hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year. They can make themselves much more attractive to an employer 
and uh, uh, it's much more reasonable for them to get work. And so, to bridge that gap between today and, reti- and retirement is to is to really dive deep into what is it that you need to cover your expenses, and how can we take and turn on the faucets of income from some of the assets that you save for retirement today in order to cover that gap. Uh, what would be an example of doing that? So uh, let's say I got a client that's got seven hundred thousand dollars in uh, husband and wife seven hundred thousand combined four hundred one k downsize so we move that seven hundred thousand dollars into an IRA. They make a hundred thousand dollars gross income and they're let go. Okay, um, they they spend all one hundred thousand dollars just to make it simple. Sure, uh, we're going to assume that. Uh, they can take 6% of the investment balance in their account. And there's arguments on is 6% too much or too little. Instead of going through all that, this is just an example. Just an example, not real people. We assume that they're going to grow their assets by 8%. They're going to take 6% out on average. That's on $750,000. That's $45,000 a year that we can uh, give them as as 50 years old as a cash flow stream, let's say, for the next 10 years until they're 60. And so what that means is that they can go out and look for a job that pays $55,000 a year as opposed to $100,000 a year. Um, you know, they, uh, uh, they're going to have a lot uh, greater likelihood of becoming employed at 55 than they are at $100,000 a year. And so we found that uh, a number of clients that have uh, unfortunately have had to face these realities of, of a recession and a, and a down economic time by doing this transaction transition planning with them, it's really freed them up to look for uh, more practical opportunities. And they're happy because a lot of times they don't have the pressures that they have with the six-figure jobs either. So the stress level goes down, the gut gets is reduced, uh, they get healthy. It's yeah, good. It's a good idea. It's a good idea. Uh, again, if you want to call in and ask Joe a question, uh, we'll be taking those calls in a few minutes. It's uh, 646 595-4916. Inside your company, Joe, do you have a long-term strategic planning process? Yeah. um, And we talk to advisors about this all the time as part of our value proposition. So my father was in the business. He died when I was four. He had no succession plan. Uh, We went from great lifestyle to Social Security and shopping at the Goodwill forward 40 years you know I have, I have a thriving business everything's great I'm diagnosed with cancer um, I'm fine today I'm healthy I get checked all the time everything's great however uh, you know six years ago diagnosed with cancer I had no succession plan either mm-hmm. Apple doesn't fall too far from the tree does it uh, and there wasn't isn't wasn't isn't a lot of intel around that whole subject. No one wants to talk about it. We've talked extensively about that today, and so I started embarking on, uh, you know, diving into what it takes to to uh, pass my business on. What if I die? What if I became disabled? Uh, and so it took me tens of thousands of dollars in legal bills and hundreds of hours and eighteen months to develop my what I call level one hit-by-the-bus succession plan, and that only addresses being hit by the bus. I've moved on to my level two succession plan. Matter of fact, with Kevin having been with me a year and uh, you know, trusting one another as brothers, I went ahead and named my formal successor 
in the event that something does happen to me. I certainly have no plans to go anywhere, but that's my long-term succession planning, and we've we value the business, and we've talked about the payout, and we've notified clients, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you, you you put a strategic plan in place. Correct. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> in, the, in the area of financial planning, what do you think people are actually looking for? You know, I think people are looking for uh, clarity. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of fun things from my perspective that come up through walking people through a, pl- a planning process. One is to understand how much they need based on their goals. Uh, a lot of folks carry around a lot of guilt around uh, seemingly overspending and. I'm going to spend this. I'm going to continue to spend this, but I should probably be doing something else with this. And then what we do is we identify exactly what they need to do in order to reach their goals. And then they have this great sense of relief. Um, The guilt leaves them because they know that every other dollar they make, they can spend without guilt. And it's kind of freeing, um, liberating, if you will. So, um, uh, what people more than anything else are looking for is they're looking for a leader. Uh, you know, we do business stuff all day, every day. We come home, and none of the business practices and principles are applied at home. Uh, we get that. We understand that. And, uh, uh, you know, and so the thing that we find that people need from us more than anything else is, is leadership, advocacy and leadership. I like to uh, ask our CEOs for a leadership tip that you can give to all those CEOs. Yeah, um, I think that uh, uh, individuals in general that you engage in with business, whether they're working with you or they're clients of yours, they don't really want to know how much you know as much as they want to know how much you care. And so I think a good leader really uh, isn't afraid to show they care. Um, isn't afraid to stand behind their employees and to let them know that uh, uh, that they're special to them, that they're important to them, and uh, I think that can lend itself to uh, you know long-term employment and a feeling of uh, of inclusion uh, and team. In your company, do you have an open door policy for leadership? Uh, abso- absolutely. Mm-hmm. And uh, perhaps you could share how you're going to add. You said 30 new people to your company. It's a, it's a big increase. Yeah. Um, you know, to yeah, if you increase capabilities, it's easy to increase capacity. And the one thing that, uh, uh, that will make this smooth for us is that I've been doing this 25 years. I have systems, policies, and procedures in place that are, uh, you know, that are repeatable. Um, we've got systems from a technology standpoint that are very easy to expand. Uh, and, um, so, uh, you know, quite simply, we put in the, uh, you know, the, the support in place, uh, makes it easy to, uh, to grow our business. I own a building in Blue Ash. We have, uh, capacity for, uh, uh, you know, for all 30 advisors. So you have the infrastructure already. Now you're looking for the right people. You got it. You're going to get deluge with calls. I already know about six people for you. We're going to take a, a short commercial break, and we'll be right back with uh, Joe Callahan. 
Hi, this is Mike Roth, founder of Sandler Training by Roth & Associates, the most experienced Sandler sales trainer in Cincinnati. You've heard our commercials about sales and sales management, but you haven't made the call for some reason. Maybe you're having your best year ever. Maybe you think a sales development company won't work in your industry. You're different. I wish I had a nickel for every time I heard that. Maybe you're afraid that if you called, you'd buy something. If you're happy with all your sales and profits and believe you have all the answers or simply don't see yourself investing in yourself or your people, then don't make the call. We have nothing for you. For over 20 years, we've been coaching, mentoring, business owners, and sales professionals who are serious about their careers. So if you believe that Sandler Sales Training might make you better, faster, meaner, and stronger, call me at 513-646-6523 or register for our next open house. Roth & Associates, the most experienced sales trainer in Cincinnati. You can check us at www.rothconsulting.net. This is Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. If you're a salesperson or a company owner, my message is critical for you. Today, I want to talk to you about the real secret of getting out of debt. Earn more money. Most salespeople and owners want to sell more at a higher price with better margins, but don't know how. I've helped hundreds of people and companies grow over 30% per year by making an investment in themselves. Albert Einstein said, insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. I teach my clients new and different strategies, tactics, and behaviors that get dramatic results. I'm not for everyone. We're back. Mike Roth and Joe Callahan. Uh, Joe, we have a theory of operation here at Sandler Training that simple solutions to complex problems are invariably wrong. Therefore, to solve a complex problem, you need to have an equally complex solution. Uh, perhaps you could share with our audience a, a complex problem and the equally complex solution that you came up with to, uh, to solve the problem that might be transferable to another industry. Hmm. Well, I don't know. Uh, you know, we deal with living, breathing people and uh, you know, very organic subject matter. I don't know if it can be translated to other industries, but I'll give you one that uh, just happened, unfortunately, 30 to 45 days ago with me. Brand new client that came in uh, within three months. Uh, she's 60, he's 70. He has a massive stroke. Uh, doesn't know if he's going to make it. He goes into a long-term care rehab facility. He's not coming out. Um, He's got very few assets. She's still working. She's got a 401k and an IRA worth probably $250,000, and that's all she has to her name. And she's looking at the prospect of losing all of that money uh, to provide for his care on a pay basis. So I bring in uh, an attorney I work with who specializes in elder care. We bring in a consultant who can um, uh, write up uh, basically and apply for Medicaid, which is the free stuff, uh, you know, with various care facilities to kind of foe or mock what will be inclusive and what will be excluded from an asset and home and everything else standpoint. Long story short, uh, we just got word uh, this past week that we were able to completely protect all of her uh, retirement income and uh, and her home and continue to provide uh, him with the ca- with the care he needs through Medicaid uh, if he lives six months or if he lives 16 years. Wow. So huge, um, you know, and so 
uh, you know, we went from uh, someone that was going to be destitute potentially to someone who's going to be able to continue to be a thriving member of society financially. So that, I probably watered it down. It was extremely complex as, as it was presented to me mm-hmm. through the use of trusts and uh, procedures uh, and strategies. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, we try not to deliver the solutions as complex as the problems come into us. Um, and I don't know, maybe that's that's what, uh, you know, can transcend industry is that uh, I think the mark of, an, of a pro is to take complex problems and uh, and communicate to whoever the end user is uh, uh, simple solutions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and part of your solution was bringing in a skilled attorney. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Trust me, had I had to figure all that out on my own, she should never have called me. I mean, I am only as good as my weakest link. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a place for a good, smart attorney. Uh, we haven't had one on the show yet. but <laughs> I'd be happy to give you his name at the end of the show. He's great. I, I, I tell you a little side story of him just uh, to give you an understanding of how I uh, work with professionals. For me, in any sport I played, it was all about feel. I felt... Whether where I needed to be on defense, I felt competition, and I I do the same with on a professional basis. I had a client that uh, uh, I talked to my clients every ninety days, and uh, I talked to him, and he said he had lost thirty day, thirty pounds over the last ninety days, and I said, oh my gosh, um, are you on a diet? He said, no, I don't feel well, and I know this gentleman is a heavy smoker, mm. and I said, hey, have you gone to the doctor? No, I haven't. Long story short. Um, I uh, pleaded with him to go to the doctor. He goes to the doctor. He's got four weeks to live. He's riddled with cancer. Wow. Um, he's uh, uh, never followed through on the, my suggestions to get a will and to create um, his own personal succession and estate planning. Um, he says, I'd like to do that now because I've got four weeks to live, Joe, and uh, I'm too weak to get in the car. So I called this attorney and I asked him if he'd be willing to make a house call. He goes all the way out to Winchester, Ohio, um, which I don't even, to this day, can't, I, I couldn't find my way there, um, on a Thursday and, and uh, does all the fact-finding with this gentleman, senses that he's not going to live four weeks, mm-hmm. goes into his office and prepares all the work over the weekend. The client calls me first thing Monday morning, says, hey, where's your attorney? I uh, I don't know how long I'm going to make it. I call the attorney, goes out that afternoon. He executes everything. First thing the next morning, the client dies. Wow. So this gentleman, um, this kind of guy I want in my foxhole as far as mm-hmm. professionals go. I don't want folks that bill for telling stupid jokes and uh, don't really provide any uh, value add. And uh, this is one that I, I could count on. Well, that's great. Always great to hear a good story about a lawyer who, who did something that helped people. Right. They're out there. <laughs> Few and far between. I've, I've offered uh, a couple of times to have attorneys be here on the show to talk about the positive side of doing business in Cincinnati. Uh, and uh, of the several I offered it to, only one took me up on it. And that one canceled on a <laughs> Tuesday for a Thursday show. Huh. Should have billed him. <laughs> I should have. It caused a hell of a scramble to find someone at the last minute to fit in, because typically we're scheduling the show about uh, two months in advance. We're out to uh, 
about two months in, now in March, March 20th or so. Uh, Joe, uh, you're in the financial planning world. There's probably 4,000 other financial planners in Cincinnati. What are you guys doing on the Internet to uh, grow your business? Are you doing anything? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, certainly we have a great website web presence. We're in the midst of overhauling that right now. It's all going to be video-driven on one side. I've got 26 one-minute vignettes that walk you through all kinds of great little gold nuggets. That's all driven through YouTube. Um, and, uh, you know, we've got LinkedIn and Facebook and Twitter uh, you know, and certainly there's an age-old argument about which is best, et cetera. I, I kind of find the best, most functional is LinkedIn. Uh, business the, to business. Business to business. I, yeah, tw- uh, purports. You know, I've been using LinkedIn, and we've gotten some business from LinkedIn contacts. Yeah, and it's good. I think people are prepared to talk business and to, and to be in a business frame of mind in LinkedIn. Facebook. They're definitely not in a business frame of mind. They, they'd rather talk about what they're having for dinner that night, um, which blows me away. Twitter, they're just not – I guess I'm too long-winded because I can't do anything in 140 characters. <laughs> well, you know, we do a lot of stuff with Twitter. Uh, we actually use an automated search program to find people who are located in Cincinnati in business, say the word sales or sales management or owner of a company. And we've managed to connect to about 25,000 of them. Wow, that's great. And uh, we'll get them with a tweet. And, you know, or you can tell them to go to Paxton's Restaurant for you. <laughs> uh, do, you do you use search engine optimization? Uh, we've got people that handle the technology. So what, so what you've done is you've asked me enough questions for me to sound like I know what the heck I'm talking about. And then you just push the envelope, and, I, and, and I'm exposing my weak link. I actually we we've got folks in our office that are experts in technology. Oh, so you do um, it in the house? Yes. Okay. And I I just that's not my forte. Uh, we were, we had a conference call this morning to talk about uh, uh, scanners and and what our our you know what our next game plan is around our scanning systems because uh, we we're all paperless and. Uh, what do you mean by oh, you mean scanning paper? Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought it was scanning the horizon for. Good investments. No, scanning. Scanning uh, internally. And uh, it was pretty humorous because everybody knew that, that I had no business being on the call. Mm-hmm. I, I write the check, and that's it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> search engine optimization is important. Uh, so you don't even know if you use pay-per-click at Google. You know? I'm sure we, I'm sure we don't. You don't. Interesting. We do. Um, we found it to be valuable. Good. Expensive, but valuable. Right. So, <coughs> Joe, if you uh, had to tell me that there was one area of your practice that you really liked working in, what would that be the most? People. I love working with people and helping them, uh, you know, uh, uh, Solve issues, issues you know in life. You know, uh, there's a lot of twists and turns, a lot of tragedy. There's a lot of uh, stuff that happens in folks' lives, and and um, uh, I love to come in and provide you know correct solutions. I love to I lo- love to work with people on a business to business standpoint on innovation, 
and unique ways to bring products to market and unique ways to package products and to structure businesses. Um, I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people have heard Dave Ramsey go on and on and on about negativity on whole life insurance or gimmicked up annuities and talk about telling people to buy term life if you need life insurance. Do you think he's right? Yeah, you know, I think I think uh Ramsey's done a lot of really good stuff for a lot of folks. Um the thing I love best about him is uh he is uh, uh really passionate about people reducing their debt. And I like that. Um there's parts of you know what he does that uh uh I guess professionals could question, but at the end of the day it's all good. Um, I don't believe that people should have permanent insurance as an investment. Uh, there's only a couple reasons why folks should embrace permanent coverages beyond, you know, retirement or a period of time in which they would be self-insured. And that's to protect pensions and for state liquidity. And that's really kind of it. Um, Good, Joe. Uh, we kind of have to wrap up here. Uh, uh, I want to give you a copy of uh, Sandler's newest book, the seven, the eleven Sandler Success Insights. Thank you very much. Uh, that was released about a year ago and went to uh, number one status on the Amazon list, and then went up to the Wall Street Journal list for about three weeks. Uh, it's again for coming. I've got to read this now. Uh, the opinions voiced in this show are for general information only. They're not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investment may be appropriate for you, consult your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. Securities are offered through LPL Financial, a member of FINRA and SIPC. Joe, thanks again for being on the show. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate you having me. Great. Scott, why don't you take it away? Thanks for listening. If you have questions or comments, contact Mike at MikeRoth at RothConsulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9400.